The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how fast you're going? What? How fast you're going? I don't know. Ten? Eight. Be advised, this is an explicit podcast, so if you're easily offended, get your panties twisted into a knot, turn this off before you get butt hurt and mad, start to cry, have to run to your safe space. All opinions are those of the host and his guest, and do not reflect the opinions of any government agency. Welcome to another cop of, another cop, listen to me. Another episode of uh, Motor Cop Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Iceman. Uh, no guests this week. I do have some stories from uh, some traffic stops and some uh, motorist motorist assistant assistance I did uh, over this past week. But I don't keep getting tongue tied. Like I said, unedited, <laughs> unscripted. So. Uh, like and follow. Uh, go uh, follow on follow me on Facebook. Uh, we have live shows on Wednesdays on YouTube, Facebook, Truvo, and Twitch. Also, you can go over there to any of those platforms and uh, subscribe. Hit the bells and uh, notification buttons. You'll know when we do live shows. Uh, come interact with us, man. Holstera, it's fun. Uh, it's really the only reason I do live shows, uh, just because I enjoy interacting with the people that do uh, come into the chat. So uh, come do that. Come uh, interact with me and Holstera. If you're listening on Apple, hit the uh, give me a five star uh, review if you don't mind, and uh, write a review. I'll read it on here. <clears throat> More reviews and five stars to get helps with algorithms. But enough of that crap, right? I want to say this totally un law enforcement related right before I decided to come uh, record this evening it's, it's Sunday so I'm going to put it out right afterwards hot off the press or hot off the SD card how's that uh, me and Bam were sitting there watching a movie decided to watch a movie uh, decided to watch a movie based on true life stuff or real events or however you want to put it. So we found one. Uh, if you do not want to get extremely angry, mad, and have homicidal thoughts, do not go watch this movie. It's an older movie. I think it was made in like 1990. Uh, it's based on events from 
the early to mid 80s. Uh, it's called Unspeakable Acts. It is on Netflix. If you want to get pissed off and want to think about committing homicide, go watch this movie. If not, don't. Because <laughs> uh, actually, Holster called me about something. Quill called X Bam about something he's uh, making for on a 3D printer while I was going on. I told him about it. I was like pissed off. And he's like, I'm not going to go watch it. Uh, like I said, it's, an un- it's called Unspeakable by Axe on Netflix. And uh, it's uh, basically about a serial child pedophile molester guy and how uh i guess it's how uh, casa or uh, something about came about of how the uh the social workers the psychologists interviewed these children so i think it was a breakthrough case in that but uh it is <laughs> like i said i was living mad uh watching this movie I, I think i was up pacing around at one point and uh bitching at the tv and Saying stuff that I would like to do to that individual. But anyway, you can go watch it or not watch. It depends on how mad you want to get. Uh, like I said, it's it's not a feel-good movie at all. Uh, and it's older. So with that out the way, if y'all remember a couple of episodes back or so, a few weeks back, I had, uh, had an incident where I ended up... Uh, pulling my gun out of the holster and having people at gunpoint and giving them commands. We talked about that, right? Well, guess what? <clears throat> it happened again. Same stretch of highway. A little bit different fashion this time. I pulled this uh, vehicle over. It was a Toyota van. It was silver. Uh, Florida license plates. Wasn't going super fast. It was doing 75 and 60, you know, 15 over. <clears throat> Uh, you know, do everything I'm supposed to, call my, gave dispatch my location, a mile marker, uh, gave him the license plate and stuff, yada, yada. Anyway, I go up and I'm making contact with the driver. She's a female. Uh, I say, when I can't say Hispanic, uh, of origin, I guess, uh, Spanish, whatever, uh, Venezuelan. I know she is from Venezuela because she informed me of this. I don't know why she did. But she did, and uh, she she spoke she spoke English. I don't know how well, but she seemed to understand everything I was saying, and she was able to communicate back with me enough where I could understand what she was trying to communicate. Well, I'm telling her why I stopped her and the information that I did need from her. Two dually pickup trucks came, pulled over on the shoulder in front of us, probably about... I don't know, 75 yards or so away, 75, 80 yards away, I'm guessing. Uh, It was enough distance in front of us that I was fine with it. I looked at her. I said, are they with you? She advised me, yes. I said, okay. I said, call them on the phone. Tell them to stay right where they're at. They're fine where they're at. Do not come over towards us. She said, okay. And she understood me. And uh, she got on her phone. And, of course, you know, I do not speak Spanish. And so she's saying something to them. I'm assuming telling them what I said. So we're still getting the information. She was having a hard time finding a uh, registration or something with a VIN number because my 
my gizmo for some reason, everybody's gizmo for some reason is not wanting to pull up the out of state license plate information. So we're gonna have, we're having to punch in manually the VIN numbers and stuff. So I'm making it while while I'm doing this, I keep watching. One next thing I know, I see reverse lights come on. The dualies, both of them, are starting to back up towards us. Uh, now I'm on the, the driver's side, and uh, which I'm usually on the passenger, but I think she had pulled over too close to the uh, railing on the bridge. And I tell her, I'm like, call them, tell them to stop backing up, stay where they're at, stop coming towards us. Well, I'm not sure. I think she might have picked her phone up now because right now I took kind of a step back where I'm a little bit behind her window and, uh, I'm watching them. Well, next thing I know, they, they stopped. Well, then two males get out and begin to approach me, approach us. I don't say me. They were approaching in my general direction. I yell at them to get back in their vehicle, which they didn't at first. I yell at them again to get back in their vehicle. Yet they continue to approach at this point, I unholstered my weapon, pointed it at them, told them to get back in their vehicles and stay where they were at. They put their hands up and went back to where they had come from, which was uh, to their vehicles where I wanted them to stay in the first damn place. I told her, I said, she said, I believe one of them must have been her son. From what she said, I told her, I don't care who he is. I said, call them back on the phone. Tell them if they get out of their car and they come towards us again, it's a good chance someone is going to die and it's not going to be me. I'm assuming that she did because they didn't reapproach. Uh, I don't know if the males spoke any English or whatsoever. Uh, at this point, I don't care. Uh, I guess uh, they did speak the universal language of Glock because that's what I had pointed at them, and they did understand that. I don't understand why people in this day and age are going to think it's a good idea to approach any law enforcement person on a traffic stop. I'm not going to do it. I'm a cop. You have my wife pulled over or whatever. Um, if I'm not in a vehicle with her, I'm not just going to pull up and try to approach this cop at all. I'm just going to pull over up, about, up way far behind or way far ahead, wait for him to get done. I'm not going to approach. I'll handle, we'll discuss the citation later, but I'm not going to approach. It's too much. I mean, we just had, they just had that guy was that was a New York cop that just got shot in the head. Uh, in in between duties, he worked some extra duty. Went and took a nap in his car. And somebody shot him there. I mean, thank God, I think he's gonna be fine. But I mean, he didn't die, which is good. But I mean, and you think I'm just gonna let people walk up on me like that while I'm already dealing with somebody else? I don't think so. Now, I'll, I've mentioned it before. I'll say it again. I did. Uh, I always say when after I'm finished a traffic stop. I leave my I, I stay behind the people with my lights on until they pull off and they're safely back in their lane of traffic to travel down the highway. Then I uh, turn my emergency lights off. 
So safety for them. So I'm sitting there. I gave her her ticket. I told her, you know, you know, here's your information. You can go to court, call the number. It's on the bottom of the citation. Yada, yada, yada. Have a safe trip. Went back, got my unit. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Most people leave before I even get back in the, the unit. Uh, some of them may take a, a, just a short time putting their stuff back. Anyway, so I waited in about three minutes. They still hadn't left. So at this point, now, so I got three vehicles still in front of me. So at this point, I reverse and I put a, a little bit of distance in between this and I wait. I'm still waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and they're still not left. I'm like, all right, finally, you know, after probably about eight minutes of this, which is a little ridiculous, I merged in traffic myself and turned my lights off. And I guess they could leave when they wanted to. I wasn't going to wait all day on them. I don't know what the hell they were doing or she didn't understand or, or what the hell, but yet again, you know, people need to smarten up, you know, I don't care if they're from Venezuela or wherever. I mean, it don't take, like I said, common sense. It's it's not that hard to come by. Not that damn hard to come by. But obviously, uh, people there in Venezuela don't have common sense on these highways either. So this next one, <laughs> I was right into it. So all right, at this point, I'm like, oh, I pulled off back in traffic. I'm like, well, I had to go take myself a little pee pee because I'm old and I had to pee and I'm on an elevated highway. So I had to go to the next exit up, which has, uh, the only thing at this exit is boat land and there's no gas stations or rest stops, nothing. There's nothing. There's a place to launch your boat. That's it. But there's places I can pull off and I'm going to take a pee pee. So I go, I'm going to do this. And as I get off, there's this like, uh, I don't know, I'm not sure if it was a, I remember exactly type vehicle it was. It was like a, it was a Jeep. I knew that. It wasn't a Jeep Wrangler. And I think it might have been a Cherokee or or something like that. I don't know if it was a Liberty or not. I don't know. It was a little Jeep SUV. Not of the Wrangler family class there. And I saw it on the side of the road when it's hazard zone. It has uh, a flat tire. Uh, back, right side, flat. I'm like, all right. So I stopped. And I'm like, what's going on? Oh, we got a flat tire. Uh, we called roadside. And I was like, sorry. So I turned my lights on. I didn't turn my lights on. I just backed up onto the shoulder. So I wasn't sitting in the road. When I get out, there's a, a male and a female. I'd say they were late 30s, maybe, early 40s, somewhere's up in there. Uh, Cal, uh, I think they had, they, had, oh, they had New York tags. I'm going to say California. Uh, but they had New York tags on the vehicle. And I said, look, I said, uh, do you need help changing the tire or something? I mean, you spare? He's like, the spare's on it. Uh, we blew a tire yesterday. Yesterday, now, now this is probably four something in the afternoon. Said so he blew a tire yesterday, and they had to put the spare on it. I'm like, so you didn't stop and get another spare? Cause this, you know, 
Well, we were going to this Walmart in this, uh, it was a town, probably about 20 miles up, maybe, to get one there. I'm like, well, you went and got a spare right after your continental breakfast this morning or something like that? Well, his, his wife's like, see, I told you. And she hits on him. I mean, she was, it was all in fun. I mean, she wasn't, I'm not saying she was actually mad at him, but she's like, I told you so. About getting a spare. So, she, uh, the wife advisor had, uh, I think, Geico insurance. And uh, they had called to have roadside assistance. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not doxing roadside assistance services, but I'm just going to say that most of them are crap, okay? Uh, around here, anyway. Uh because most of the roadside assistance places have, I guess, contracts or something with certain record companies. And usually it's been my, in the two departments I've worked for, it's been my experiences when you call roadside assistance and they send you a record, they might send you one that's going to take three or four hours to get there. I've seen them send a record from damn near, you know, an hour and a half away in good conditions to pick up a car when they have records 10 minutes up the road, 15 minutes up the road. They're going to send one that's, you know, an hour and a half away in good in good driving conditions. So, to me, roadside assistance is just useless. Just crap. Just crap. But she advised that they had called their GEICO roadside assistant. And they had called, like, their GEICO or whatever. Says they had called, like, four different record services. And they all refused to come pick up their vehicle now like i said this exit is it's in the swamp okay i'm not gonna lie it's in the swamp uh like i said no 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 stores uh they have some camps but you can't even see those they're, they're well into the swamp area uh but it is uh there's nothing there nothing like i said nothing at all except a boat landing so I ended up, I called my dispatch, they got a record in route. I think he took about, I don't know, uh, about 40 minutes to get there. I sat with them. Uh, they did have a uniformed guy that had been dispatched, but I'd already taken it. So, I mean, I, 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 he came, I told him I got it, so he didn't sit there. Uh, anyway, we talked a little while. You know, I did find out that they were... And they they were a couple hours, three or four hours, I think they said, outside the city of New York. So they lived in the state of New York. And they said they were more, way more rural. And uh, just this vehicle of theirs, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, living in Louisiana. So, but the bottom of the vehicle was like rusting out. It wasn't even that old of a car, I mean. But they said uh, it was from the, all the salt from when it snows and they salt the roads. I mean, I guess people that live in salt water areas or people that live in northern regions where they do salt the roads, I guess that's a, a major thing. But I know when the wrecker did get there and pull it up on there, they actually had a piece. I don't know if it was a stabilizer bar or it was part of the drivetrain. It was like hanging down and uh, it was like rusted, completely broke off from. The whole bomb chassis, this poor vehicle is rusting out. But we were talking and stuff, and uh, 
I did mention podcast. I think I gave them a refrigerator magnet. Uh, also, like I said, I, I don't know if they'll listen. Uh, I told them I would be telling them or talking about this. But they were, uh, hey, they, they were super nice people. Uh, you know, I, I love meeting people from way different areas and stuff like that. And uh, of course, the tow truck driver shows up and like he, he was kind of sketchy looking. I said, you got your gun? And she's like, huh? The lady's like, huh? She's like, we don't have guns. That's what you mean, a gun. I mean, I, I mean, they they didn't even own a gun. Just that's just two different regions. It just shocks me, you know. To me, everyone should have a gun. I assume everyone has a gun because, uh, you know, like I said, I started shooting guns when I was like eight. So, but uh, we're talking about, I forget exactly what part of the conversation came up. Oh, he said uh, the. The husband said something about being intimidating or something. I'm like, oh, well, he he was a, you know, he's probably about six foot slender guy. Probably right about, I don't know, 160, maybe 170. Uh, not a big guy at all. He said something about being intimidating. And he told me this, he said that uh, where they lived out or where he used to live out or something, that uh, he was outside in or something in a, in a like a bobcat. A wild bobcat like walked past him and just kind of like looked at him and just kept walking and then like stopped and turned around and looked at him again and kept walking and he's like he's like I couldn't even intimidate a, a bobcat. <laughs> it's like well, I said if he turned around and looked at you, he probably wouldn't think if you were like food or something like that. But uh, they were heading to they were heading to Texas uh, to the lady. I think they were heading to Texas. I don't know. Anyway, I think there was some other people I pulled over. I think to you all people, yeah. I don't know if I told that story or not. But anyway, these people were from New York, state of New York. Uh, super nice, super friendly. I hope they got their spare tire. I hope they got their tire fixed and got a spare tire. So then they had to buy two tires. And uh, if you see a cheap being uh, for sale, cheap New York place don't buy it because the, the bottom's rusting out on it. It's bad. Uh, anyway, I hope they had a good trip. I hope they listened to this and got a kick out. Like I said, super nice people. Uh, they probably just thought I was some stupid ass redneck or something like that. But hell, maybe I am. I don't know. But uh, like I said, that's one part I do love about my job is I get to uh, meet new and interesting people. And sometimes I don't have to write them tickets. So. Most of the time I'm writing them tickets, but sometimes I don't have to, which is a good thing also. Now, one more story. So, if y'all are hoping for a whole hour episode, probably not going to make it. But uh, this next story, uh, this happened, okay, I believe Tuesday. I think this happened Tuesday, yeah. Anyway, uh, there's an old abandoned uh truck stop area where I stop to get, you know, all my stuff ready before I get out there and start writing tickets. Make sure I have my right court date on stuff. Make sure my electronic ticket writer's working. Make sure everything's got enough charge to it. You know, battery's good in my LIDAR. It's a it's a two buildings there. Falling, they're metal buildings. You know, they're, you know, gutted, falling in, nasty. Been abandoned for umpteen, 10, 15 years. It's got a good concrete parking lot. So I pull in there to uh, to uh, get my stuff together and 
to take a pee before I get out there because ain't nowhere to pee. This happens when you're old, when you're in your 50s. But I pull in there, and there's a trooper there. So I stop. I'm like, what's up, dude? And he's like, yeah. they were actually uh, looking for uh, 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 a bad guy. They were looking for a bad guy that had uh, been involved in a carjacking the day before, night before, and they got got one, and the other one ran off. He was involved in a car chase and all kind of stuff like that. And they had the they were getting the Angola uh, tracking dogs out there and all this shit like that. See if they could track down the other ones. They had pictures of them on a deer cam. I'm talking about like so this swamp area. There's this, this city boy. So <laughs> I'm surprised he just didn't give himself up. If it would have been warmer. He would have gave himself up because the mosquitoes would have ate his ass alive. But anyway, he's like, he's like, they got some cars parked up behind the building, which you understand the the weeds and the grass here are grown up good eight feet. And there's a little place where people drive through because I think at night kids probably come hang out there and drink and shit. The people that actually, whoever still owns it or repairs it, actually put a garbage can out there so they people put their trash in it, which most do. Anyway, he said, there's two vehicles back there. He says, I don't know if they like screwing or what. And I'm like, you can go check? He's like, uh-uh, I ain't going to check on that. <laughs> I don't want to get involved in it. I'm like, I said, well, screw it. I said, I'll go do it. Because <laughs> I'm just nosy. I want to know what's going on. So I drive back there, and there's a, a pickup truck, you know, a Durango, New mile Durango. Both Louisiana tags. Well, when I pull up, pulled up on the side of them, there's two people standing in between the vehicle, male and female. I'm like, what y'all doing? It's like, uh, the guy's like, oh, we're just talking. I almost looked at him and said, well, what you talking about? I'm like, oh, y'all just talking, just talking behind the building here? I said, y'all got IDs on you? Oh, yeah. I said, well, let me see them. They give me their IDs. I look at them. They're both locals from this area, that area, you know. They didn't have the same address, so <laughs> tell you that. So, and I, I believe I saw some some wedding bands on people's fingers, and I don't think married people they're married to each other. Like I'm not gonna meet my wife behind a abandoned building in the weeds, right? Why would I? I said, "Huh?" Oh. I said, "What y'all do?" Oh, we just talking. I said. I said, okay. I said, well, I said, do you think it's a real good idea to be talking out here? I said, because I, I looked at him. I looked at the woman. The, the woman looks like she's about to piss in her panties. I said, uh, I looked at both of them. I said, uh, because I'd hate for y'all to get caught talking out here and uh, me have to deal with a domestic violence situation. And the man just kind of looking at me. I said, right? He's like, yes, sir. So I backed up. They ended up leaving. <laughs> I hope my listeners are smart enough to figure out that they might have been talking at that point because they were both fully clothed. But I guarantee they shouldn't have been talking to each other in that type of location because I'm pretty sure they were both married to other people. And it wasn't a very good place to hide because you could see them from the main highway if you're in the right position. So they need to find themselves a better place to meet each other up or just stop meeting each other or divorce your spouse and then do it 
because obviously y'all are sneaking around and you're eventually going to get caught and people's feelings are going to get hurt and worse than that may happen. So just stop people. Especially, I'm they obviously not being very sneaky about it because me and the state trooper rolled up on them, didn't we? So, if they'd have been doing something else, that'd have been a whole different story. That'd have been pretty damn funny, right in, in itself, right there. It's been a long time since I walked up on somebody doing that, and Freebird would have been extremely, extremely jealous of the fact. Oh, I do have something else to talk about. Uh, one of the listeners uh, emailed about uh, the last episode we had with the lovable corrections guy, which I'll throw it again. I appreciate him coming on. And uh, hey, anybody else listening knows people want to come on? Hey, tell them I'm corrections. Like I said, I'll take paramedics, EMS, firemen, kind of any kind of public service, first responder type people, military. Come on, tell your stories. Uh, we like to hear them. But anyway, uh, in that episode, I mentioned something. We had talked something like about body scanners. Well, the listener, which, you know, I don't say people's names. He's one of our members. He has contacted us before. Uh, so he is a loyal member, and we do appreciate him tremendously on there. But anyway, he said, uh, Saying it was 2022, find me well. And uh, he sent me a, a link. I'm going to click on, look over here. We'll read it about a, a local incident involving a body scanner. Scanner. And he said, money well spent. And I will put the link in the description uh, in the podcast if anybody wants to go look at it also. Because uh, I believe I looked at it before. They have a picture of the scan and stuff in it also. Anyway, this is... Uh, it's from a Tech 84 site, and it says uh, a jail body scanner finds a gun on a woman arrested for drugs. This happened in, uh, just happened in, or it was written about in November 25th. This is uh, in 2020, so it's not super old. Anyway, this is in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, it said when body scanners were installed at the Allen County Jail a year ago, Sheriff Dave Gladdix knew they would find drugs that people were trying to smuggle behind bars, which if y'all listen to the episode where we talked about a local uh, state prison here, they just found a shit ton of drugs and alcohol and all that stuff, so it gets in. But one of the scanners uh, they installed on November 2nd startled all the corrections officers around, and for good reason. A state trooper pulled over a car for speeding and arrested a 26-year-old Anthony Mizell and 25-year-old Brittany Anderson for possession of cocaine. People still getting coke. Most of us think we're getting nails and meth. Coke's like old drugs now. <laughs> I guess rich people drugs. I don't know. Officers patted down both of them and took them to jail. The confinement officers working lockup pat them down as well. They felt something was a little different with her. They could tell that she was maybe wearing something under her clothes that made it feel like there was just something there that they wanted to take a look at, the sheriff said. Before two female female officers took Anderson to the showers for a strip search, they had her go into the body scanner to see what they might be dealing with. A few seconds later, when the images appeared, they couldn't believe what they saw. 
there is a picture of that scan on here. Like I said, I'll put the link in the description. Y'all can go click on it if you want to see the picture. Uh, high up on her ab- abdomen was a loaded handgun with ammunition clearly visible in the magazine. That's a that's a damn good scan right there. I'm going to tell you that right now. Looks like she had some kind of waist, like almost like a girdle type thing. It must have been in there. I don't know if it was designed for it or, or what, but... You can see the bullets and everything in it. That, that freaking it's awesome. It's cool. The gun was safely confiscated, but the sheriff says he shared what happens as well as the images with Fort Wayne State Police and asked them to include it in their training. Yes. To let the public know, look, don't try it. Don't bring a, us anything because we're scanning everybody now. And also to let area law enforcement know that Look, don't let your guard down. Yes, that could have been extremely dangerous. This woman would have pulled his gun out in the back of that car, sitting behind the law enforcement people that arrested her. They could have, uh, she could have killed him right there. It could have been like a really, really, really bad situation. You know, I know as a guy, you know, and not having a female around sometimes, and you go to search a woman, we're extremely cautious because you know when you doing a just a rough pat down on a woman because you don't want to get accused of you know groping her or anything like that we use the back of our hands you know so you're not going to feel exactly the same with the back of your hands and if it was inside of this girdle type thing she had on it might have been concealing it pretty good so i mean i can see how somebody especially a male cop would have missed this i I can see how that could have happened but it could have been like really bad unfortunately they don't have a women uh, officers or law enforcement people, law enforcement professionals around to use until you get to the jail most of the time. So uh, just be real vigilant. Uh, like I said, go take a look at that picture. It can be a really scary situation there. I don't know how much these uh, body scanners cost. Uh, I'm sure they're expensive. Uh, I think we're supposed to be getting some for our courthouse coming up. I was talking to the head of security guy when I was helping him out. Uh, when I was helping him out up there, he said I think they were getting some uh, to scan everybody coming in the courthouse, which uh, I think is a good deal. And it says the the metal detectors uh, are about the regular old standard metal detectors that I'm looking up on. Uh, it's about $4,500, which that's not bad. Uh, full body stand scanners, I just did a quick little search on it. I'm using DuckDuckGo. Try not to use Google for anything. I don't have to. Full body scan cost by scan type and how it will do. Uh... I think they're around. I think they said it's actually around. This one's talking about, you know, medical ones. So. Ask it how it does it for jail. Hope I'm not boring all too much. I'm just curious as shit. Ooh. Well, that that is very expensive. Uh, as I'm looking at full body scanners purchased for county jail at no cost to taxpayer. A full body scanner is being purchased for uh, 
Ooh, y'all sitting down? Because <laughs> these things, a, a regular metal, the one that touches for metal is like, what I say? Like, I don't know. How much did I say? It wasn't much. It was a couple grand or whatever. A uh, full body scanner for stuff like this is $95,000 each, right at $100,000. But, uh, Dave, truth, huh? So they you can't get grants for them stuff. So they they're in a hundred grand a piece. So I mean I can see why a lot of agencies don't have them, but they can get them. I, I think I would if I was a a sheriff or a police chief or something like that, I'd be like trying to get that put in, especially at my jail. Especially at my if if I had a correctional institute or something like that, I definitely would. They might be a little bit cheaper now. Uh, Look at something out of I think it's uh, Meadville, PA. Tribune or something like that. That's where I seen that. Anyway, tell me what y'all think. Write me an email. What y'all think? Think those are worth the cost? If they are, about uh, this one here, I looked. Uh, another one had one installed, hundred sixty thousand. So yeah, I said about a hundred grand somewhere's up in there. So I think that's worth the cost. Being taxpayers and stuff like that. I mean, I think it is. I think that's more than worth the cost of a. Uh, Spending that kind of money to put body scanners in, especially from safety perspective and stuff like that. All right. I'm not going to bore y'all too much with that. Uh, I hope y'all enjoyed the stories tonight. Uh, like I said, if you know anybody wants to be a guest or got some stories you want to tell, and I will definitely read them. And you know I will embellish and make stuff up on them. Uh, anyway, just come back uh, Wednesday. We'll have a live show, of course. Come participate with us. Come say hi. You know, see what kind of messed up news stories we can read about and give our <laughs> I'm like myself, like my uh, our our expert opinions on whatever <laughs> or our thoughts on it anyway. Anyway, appreciate y'all listening. Remember to stay safe. Watch your back. Watch your partners back. Remember to always smile because the Ice Man could always be behind you. <laughs>